Hello, and welcome to Surveyor Says, the podcast from the National Society of Professional Surveyors. Our technical and educational series, Future Focus, was created to provide our listeners with guests and topics that will affect our profession in the short and long term. Today's episode meets that criteria and then some. Dr. Michael Dennis, a geodesist and state plane coordinate systems 2022 project manager for NGS, joins us to talk about the deprecation of the U.S. survey foot and adoption of the foot at the end of 2021. This action is in conjunction with the realization of the North American Terrestrial Reference Frame, or NATRF, of 2022. This has been a controversial topic for many, so Michael is here to set us straight on the rationale and foresight, no pun intended, on making this unit change now. So buckle up and get ready for a batch of geodetic knowledge on this future focus episode of Surveyor Says. Hello and welcome to another episode of Surveyor Says. I'm Tim Birch and my guest today, uh, we've been talking about this for well, not even weeks now, months now, and uh, we've actually we've been talking about the concept for a while. But my uh, my guest today is Michael Dennis with NGS. Michael's official title is uh, geodesist and state plane coordinate manager for NGS. Did I get that right? I hope oh, I did. Yeah, state plane coordinate system of 2022. 2022 manager. Very good. Yes, wow. because that's part of what we're going to be talking about uh, uh, that goes along with all of this and. This particular episode, we're going to concentrate on the foot, and I I love being able to say that to people, uh, being able to accentuate the foot, and uh, really kind of ticks people off sometimes, but that's okay. <laughs> so, bottom line is, uh, I, and I and I love the way you've put this in several different places. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's the tale of two feet. So, uh, and how it's going to the, the U.S. survey foot's going to change after 2022. So, I mean. Bottom line, I mean, who, who has the authority to change this? I mean, it's what, what are we doing here? Oh, well, hello, Tim, and everyone that's listening to this. Uh, first of all, let me say I'm happy to be here, and this has become quite the hot topic, and it is part of my job because we put the U.S. Survey foot into the state plane project since that's where uh, this unit is most prevalent. So who has the authority? Well, it's gotten confusing because a lot of people have selected one foot or the other in their state statute related to state plane, like specifically state plane 1983. But the reality is only U.S. Congress has the authority to define units of weights and measure in the United States. And um, they, they, that's in the Constitution, so it's, it's just there as, a, as the supreme law of the land. However, many, many years ago um, in the early 1700s, they delegated that task to others in the federal government, first the Department of the Treasury, and then in 1901 to the Department of Commerce. And then that got taken up by the National Bureau of Standards, also created in 1901, and has now become the National Institute of Standards and Technology today. So those are the that's the organization that has this authority, and it is in not just the U.S. Constitution, but in federal law itself. Sure, I think I think you're right. I think people get confused on who actually is the the supreme ruler when it comes to that that stuff. Um, well, and I guess that's the, the the other half of the question is okay, fine. So they can change it. Why are we changing it now? What's so significant about now versus any other time? Uh, a good question, and um, people would certainly wonder about that. Now, given a little background on it, it was uh, the 
international foot was defined, well, I shouldn't say defined, it was uh, taken as a, mandated as a standard in 1959. So that's really when it should have happened. In fact, it did happen for everybody and everything in the United States, except for one little exception, and that was for geodetic surveys and only geodetic surveys. And they made that exception and they intended for it to be temporary. This is the ironic part about it. They meant it for it to be temporary to help people um, be able to make that change more uh, more easily, right? Because the big problem then was that all of state plane was defined in U.S. survey feet. Even the parameters were in U.S. survey feet, the defining parameters. So they didn't want to just change that midstream and thought, okay, the right time to change that will be when we have a new datum. I'm sure they were already thinking about it. And that happened in 1986 with the rollout of NAT 83 and state plane 83. But there's more to that story. I'll stop talking for a second and see. Um, <laughs> I feel no, like I'm doing a lot of talking. No, no, that's good. Well, and I guess getting back to the U.S. survey foot and the whole process now to deprecate the foot. And I can I can tell you right now, there's probably has been tons of surveyors across the country that have now either went to their their dictionary, went to Google, and said, "What does deprecate mean?" For one, and so what does that mean in the terms of what we're doing here? Oh, well, that, that's a great question. It's one that caught me by surprise, because when you look it up uh, in a dictionary, it means, I guess, the most common definition is, and it means to express strong disapproval of, like, oh, I don't like this. But actually, um, in metrology, that term is used to, to describe a decision to discontinue a specific unit of measure. Okay. Um, right. So they do use that term for discontinuing measure and saying that another one should be used in its place. And in some situations, that become legally binding in the in the sense that uh, gasoline, for example, you can only retail sell retail gasoline by the U.S. gallon or, interestingly, the liter by law. Now it's enforced at the state level. Um, so sometimes deprecation does lead to that. But ma mainly, as described here, it's all about um, making a decision to discontinue a unit of measure and make it um, – only applicable historically and for legacy. Sure, things. sure. So similar to to vacating or abrogating, I guess, sort of. But uh, I mean, but this is for as far as a term goes. So, um, or a unit of measure in this point in time. So, well, that makes that makes that makes sense now that people know what deprecate means. Uh, I guess what are some of the problems that we're looking at as far as having having two definitions of the foot? What how? What are some, do you have some examples of problems that we've seen over time? Yeah, it seems like I, I've run into so many now, sometimes I have trouble remembering them. And now I, I get some other ones too from people now that this has come up. And even in my day-to-day -day work, it comes up, this confusion between them. Um, uh, well, for myself, I, I'm a... I'm registered, I'm registered land surveyor in a so-called international foot state, Arizona, and uh, and I worked mainly in Flagstaff, Arizona. So the difference between U.S. survey feet and international feet and state plane there is about three and a half feet. Mm -hmm. So whenever I'd see that difference, that's the first thing I would think of. And sure enough, most of the times that's what it was because of all this confusion. As far as, there's so many examples, as far as uh, something that always comes to mind that happened to me is there was a problem, a three-foot difference to the south of Flagstaff for a pretty big survey associated with a mine. And that was one problem. It turned out that was the main problem. And it doesn't sound bad, but I 
I made a couple thousand bucks in a weekend because of that mistake. Sure. Now I made money off of it, so I should be in favor of keeping two versions of the foot, right? Right. Uh, but someone lost money, and they lost money for a really bad reason due to inefficiencies and confusion. We don't want to be paying for that kind of stuff. That just causes problems. You know, there's one other thing to that, and I could give more examples, but it's not just errors that that end up costing money, that's the problem. It's also always having to be vigilant about it. That creates inefficiencies. People always have to keep their eye on it. Oh, is this the right kind of foot? Is this the right kind of foot all the time? It's, I just got a, sorry if I, I blab on and on, but I guess oh, no. I edit this if I need to. But the, um, I just got one last week from somebody for a, some LIDAR mapping of our huge part of the Hopi reservation in Arizona. And it was for some reason sealed by a Utah registrant. They delivered the state plan coordinates in US survey feet instead of international feet, even though international feet is acquired by law in Arizona. But, hmm. but there you go, you see that, that kind of thing over and over again, and it just creates problems. Okay, so having the two, obviously there, there's problems intermixing the two. I guess some of the questions I've had in, in, in talking about this over the last year, when I show people the map that majority of the states, what, there's only, what, six or eight that have the, the international foot, the majority of the rest of the states have U.S. survey foot, why go international versus U.S.? Why wouldn't the majority hold? Why does it make sense to, to stick with the, U, with the international foot definition? Yeah, that map's, I made that map, and it caused me all kinds of problems, but, so the, so it's correct as far as state plain legislation goes it's a little mis it's a little misleading but yes more states have selected the u.s survey foot than the international foot only six states have legislated the international foot for state plain about 28 for the u.s survey foot and the rest of them never really got it into legislation but they got it through in other ways um what it, what i've tried to illustrate though is the confusion it causes we have all these different versions of the foot floating around and enacted in different ways. Look, I love surveying. I'm a surveyor, and um, this is going to be hard for people to hear maybe, but surveying is not everything. Uh, we're a very small part of overall economic activity in the United States. So even though those maps come out showing that State Plain uses U.S. survey feet for most of the United States by legislation, most things that get done use the international foot. They've never even heard of the U.S. survey foot. So all these industrial applications have been using international foot since, well, the 1950s. Right. Um, so if you go by majority rule, the U.S. survey foot would lose resoundingly. That's, that's not going to carry the day, even though I understand from the surveying perspective that it appears like the U.S. survey foot dominates. It really, over in the overall United States, it does not. Exactly. No, I made that statement uh, at a conference I probably shouldn't name the state, Wisconsin, um, <laughs> that, uh, you know, the, this, the surveyors were upset about this. And, I, you know, I'm, I got up and made the statement that we are such a small player in this whole positional thing that the, you're exactly right. The U.S. survey foot is such, such a small uh, percentage of all the measurements that are needed nationwide that uh, there's a lot bigger industry out there using something else that uh, we're making a fight about something that really isn't isn't worth fighting for. It's it's we just we need to make this change and move on. And uh, you still th they still thought I was well they still thought I was talking southern to them. I think is what the what what it was. But but you're <laughs> right. 
But you're a right. A little experiment We're, someone could do is, and I did this, Google convert feet to meters. Just Google it and uh, see how many pages you have to get through before something even mentions U.S. survey feet. In fact, uh, I did, you know, it, it changes all the time. But uh, when I did it, I, I think uh, I had to go through four pages and none of them said international foot either. They just said foot. But every single one for those first 30 some converters that I found through Google, every single one did international feet, but didn't say. Right. Um, so for most of the, they don't teach it in school. If you get a degree in engineering, they don't teach you about U.S. survey feet. It's all international feet. In high school, that's what they teach you. So it really doesn't, over, overall, the it, it's just a strange situation. It's essentially a unit that's in standards limbo. It's just kind of hanging out there because something was supposed to happen that didn't happen. It was supposed to happen 30 years ago or more than 30 years ago when we switched to the new NAD83 datum and, and it didn't happen. That right. was the second of that was the second of two mistakes. The first mistake was surveyors glomming on to the US survey foot at all. Maybe they should have given it a, a different name so it wasn't so appealing. Right. Um, but but they did and it wasn't meant for boundary. It this, that wasn't the intent. Uh, but people did it. And then the new datum came along and and I'm blabbing again, so I mean, there's more. There's more to the story that makes it. Oh, messy, exactly, and exactly, yeah. and that's you know, and that's part of what I've also tried to help promote your message is that because of the technology's changed, and we'll obviously we'll get into a different topic for a different time about uh, about the datums, but everything's evolving, and this is one thing that had to evolve based upon technology and based upon what we know now versus what we knew then. And uh, yes, you're right. It was a mistake not not taking a temporary situation and holding on to it, and then not making a real change when NAT83 was kicked in. So, no, I I agree with you, and, and uh, I think the surveying community just has to open their mind a little bit. Of this is why it's happening, and uh, you have to you have to to, to trust what's going on here. That uh, it's. Uh, we're, we're not not uh, handing off some magic beans here. This is this is this is real world stuff that's uh, that's been figured out. So I guess well, part of the question I have for you then, I mean, let's let's take a step back just for a second. I mean, the foot itself. I mean, how how has it been defined over the years? I mean, we're going back to the relationship to the meter. Uh, what how has that that the definition of the foot changed? Like you said, there's how many definition different definitions of the foot. Well, right, exactly. That's and that's another thing that I think folks might not be aware of. And I didn't go all the way back. Part of doing this project, I was just concerned with the United States. And a little bit of an irony is we did um, we did have a Revolutionary War, which we broke away from England, um, right? But we didn't break away on everything. We kept their no. units of measure. So we adopt we adopted the imperial unit units of measure. One of the first things we did in the early 1800s is we uh, had a replica made of the British Imperial Yard we called the Troughton scale and that was going to be our master standard for the for the yard but right one third of that's a foot so back then they talked in yards so that's how it kind of got started here in terms well obviously the yard and foot existed in the United States before that but the Troughton scale is the earliest one I know of that was a real national actual physical standard so that's how we did it back then. We'd use these scales and then 
it was just that was the best available technology at that time but like you said things evolve and with i'm probably gonna go on too long here but in the mid 1800s house of parliament england burned down and destroyed their imperial yard so they made a new imperial yard they made two exact so-called exact copies of it sent them to the united states we got them one of them's called bronze yard number 11 but we took it, it went back to England twice to compare, be compared against the actual Imperial Yard, and it wasn't the same either time by the same amount. <laughs> now, these guys were really good. People don't appreciate it. They were really good at measuring the lengths of those yards. So that you're talking fractions of a millimeter, different, tiny fractions. Right. But they could, they could see it, and then they started to wonder, oh, wait a second. Which one's more unstable, the official one or ours? And it became very uh, messy trying to link ourselves to this bronze stick over in England. Um, right. And it was about that time that metric system started gaining more and more currency, and they created much higher quality standard bars. Um, and I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm going on too long, but it's, it's interesting to me. They made them out of 90% platinum and 10% iridium, so super high quality and no doubt extremely expensive bars. The cool thing they did too, though, is they made a whole bunch of them and randomized them. So there wasn't one, there was right. no one bar. They took two of them and sent them to the United States and those became ours. Um, so that, so we got in this place where we were in the imperial system, but also in the metric system and it was causing all sorts of problems. Which one was it? That was the real question in the 1800s. Right. Well, and then, and, you know, to, to your point there, it, it was, things were different then. We weren't thinking on a global scale. We weren't measuring beyond really beyond what we could see. Um, and obviously the four, our forefathers couldn't envision the measuring capability we have now, um, and the accuracies we have now. Um, well, I've got a, I've got a kind of a, a wild question here is, you know, what's, you know, what about the cost of this change? People are just concerned with, you know, okay, fine. We've got to make, we've got to make this change. What, what do we really think it's going to cost? Well, I think that's, that question has come up a lot. And um, my first reaction is I turn around, well, what does it cost not to change it? We already know there's a cost with not change, and it causes the inefficiencies that occur essentially constantly with this. Um, right. Sometimes they have a long gestation period. You don't find out until later that you've made this uh, mistake. You know, there's not a good handle on the – there's been no analysis done of this. Um, the one thing I could say, though, is six states did convert from U.S. survey foot to international foot in the late 1980s, and one of the states is Arizona. As far as I know, there was no no cost, really. I mean, it didn't stop anybody from doing boundary surveys because you can't detect the difference in a meaningful way on a boundary survey. So even right. though all the deeds at that time, all the deeds would have been in U.S. survey feet, people kept surveying. And nothing really seemed to happen. So I'm feeling like the cost... There will be a cost because there's going to be software issues and, 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 and uh, data management issues. I agree there will be costs, just like there'll be costs with changing the new state plane. The, and I don't know which one, I don't know what it would be. But one thing I think it's safe to say is those costs will diminish over time. And eventually, someday in the future, people will have forgotten about the version or it'll become a relic. Um, known only to surveyors, the U.S. survey, but just like the other, all the different versions of the pole and the perch and the arpent and the vera, they're real things, 
but they don't really affect how we go forward. Right, exactly. You know, that's I've thrown that back to people that uh, what what if you you were there at that time when we were measuring everything in chains and links, and now somebody's saying no, no, do this survey in feet. Well, I've got a chain. I don't I I don't want to change to this other. Yeah, it just, it's it's kind of a a, a crazy argument. Uh, well, I guess that's going to be part of the argument. Then also is hey, all of our boundary surveys are in U.S. Survey foot. Uh, What's this change going? To, what's this going to mean for for just the typical boundary survey? I mean, what do you think? Well, I, well like I just said, I don't know of any issues that were created by it um, when the change occurred, say in Arizona. But I mean, well, look, we're surveyors, and the people listening to podcasts probably surveys. They know good and well. We all know good and well how far down in the priority chain distances are in terms of determining boundaries, right? So there's that. It's not that important of a quantity. The found monument is more important. And a big thing is, that's another thing surveys might not like to hear, but surveys are not done to two parts per million. That's the difference between the two, right? <laughs> yes. What that means is the same surveyor with the same equipment go out and survey the same parcel again, and they will not get the same results within two parts per million. They just won't. It, especially over something the size of a parcel, two parts per million is one hundredth of a foot per mile. Right. So it has no practical consequence as far as that goes. Um, there was another thing I was going to mention about that just now, but that's the bottom line: is they, it just doesn't have a practical effect. Now, there is a there is one complication here though, and I recognize it, and I'm hoping that this is resolved in a satisfactory way pretty quickly. Some states do have the U.S. survey foot in statute for boundary surveys, you know, totally separate from state plane. So they have that in statute, even though there's no practical effect that is in statute. And for example, the um, manual of instructions that for the survey of the public lands specifies the U.S. survey foot. Okay. Um, but that BLM already knows about this and they're willing to work with it as part of a change they'll have to adapt to. So if the BLM doesn't, they haven't told us that they're unhappy, they seem to be okay with it. Um, if they're not, if they don't have a problem with it, then why oh, would other boundary surveys? Exactly, survey? exactly. Uh, I guess another question I, I, that I've got for you that I've heard out there that's, I mean, I guess it's a good question. Talking about dropping the international prefix off of and make it just the foot uh i've had several people tell me well that's going to make it more confusing um i mean yeah. in my own mind it doesn't it makes you know that makes it more of uh, authoritative but um i mean tell me your rationale why why we want to go forward and dropping the international part of this uh this unit well one uh, reason was by keeping international as the adjective on there is it uh Makes it, it implies that there's two out there in, in current use and really want it down to be one foot. And so it makes more sense just to call it the foot. And the reality is a vast majority of, again, of the United States, the people in the United States of economic activity only knows of one foot. They don't know about this other one. So we kind of want to avoid making it an explicit part of the name. On the other hand, in our profession, it makes a huge difference, right? So, right. What I'm suggesting to people, and I think this is how we'll end up doing it for the next Federal Register notice on this, is allow both names. 
I mean, the definition's identical. And I, right. I would suggest to anyone, any surveyor, myself included, if there's any chance of ambiguity, use the international on there just to make absolutely sure everybody knows, or in parentheses, write 0 .3, uh, 0 0.3048. Oh, that um, board meeting I went to what, last April, that was actually something that came up there. One of the one of the um, board of, one of the directors proposed that part of it, dropping the word international. So people don't like it. That's the other thing. Right. <laughs> they don't like the word. They want they like U.S. Survey foot. It sounds better. And we, you know, we could call it the American Freedom Foot, I right. guess, <laughs> like that. But but we're just thinking um, the foot. But allow for that. Allow. Uh, and make it no problem whatsoever to also use to use international if you think it's if you think it's helpful. And a lot of people, a lot of surveyors will, but outside of surveying, you just don't see it. And right. You just don't. Right. Yeah. We 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 as the surveying profession have a tendency to want to hold on to what is ours. So we'll wait and see. Well, I guess that brings another question into mind. Okay, if we're going to use something that's based upon the metric system anyway in that definition, why not just go back to what we thought we were going to do? What was that? This late 70s, early 80s, just right, flipping right. everything to the metric system anyway. Uh, yeah. Why, why not just why not just incorporate that change to that to that now? Why not? I love that one because here's one I've been polling people when I do my webinars about this. And consistently, a somewhat larger percentage of the respondents would rather go fully metric than keep the U.S. survey foot, which I found encouraging. Well, the good news is you can go metric anytime you want. There's nothing stopping anyone from doing it. Um, Congress legalized the metric system for commerce in 1866, a long time ago. Right. So it's perfectly legal. All you have to do is convince your clients and contractors and those kinds of people. Right. And those are the tough, tough cells. But if you can do that, you're free to go metric on your survey measurements if you want. You know, one thing that'll that comes up so often. I'm not sure people think it through though. For your boundary survey to be metric. Right. Really, that means doesn't that mean everything has to be metric or it's not going to make be as useful to people? I mean, yes. everything would have to be metric. And the good news about that is gas would be cheaper, right? <laughs> yes, of course it would. Yeah. So what's not to love about that? Oh, exactly. Well, and I tell you what, <laughs> the argument I make uh, uh, as much. Don't get me wrong. I the, the metric they tried to change them to the metric system when I was in in uh, elementary school, mm -hmm. and to me it it makes sense. I mean everything base ten is just is fantastic. It's a it's a great system all the way through weights and measures everything. Yeah, and you know yeah. um, NGS officially switched to me the metric system in 1977, and I think that's part of the reason why we got um, we did not push aggressively for the dropping the U.S. survey foot because it wasn't didn't matter to us internally. It didn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, kind of. We kind of got we sidestepped it and then let the the surveying community wanted to keep the U.S. survey foot, so we allowed states to, to choose. Even though we talked we talked states like Arizona and international foot. That's the story anyway. But, right. But others could choose what they wanted. Yeah. So there are so there's been a few that I've talked to said well you know you know NGS uses the metric system anyway why don't we just go ahead and do it all the way through and mm -hmm. that what what amazes me is that then you just stop them and say you know I agree better system better whatever you know we go back to the cost from changing from the U.S. survey foot to the foot international foot um, no let's think about the real cost unfortunately of what it would take to change to to the metric system um, just from the surveying standpoint, let's not even talk about the rest of the world. Uh, 
making a conversion on every survey, making a con conversion on, uh, are you really going to tell somebody now that your your house, instead of a 20-foot setback, is a six-point whatever, whatever meter setback? I mean, it's going to blow people's minds to go back and then re revise all of that. There's a hard cost. There's a real cost and in changing all of that documentation. Um, still think it would be better. Think it would be worth the effort, but it would be a uh, a phenomenal effort to try to change all of that, I think, unfortunately. More so than changing, than standardizing the foot, right? Exactly, exactly. Because that's what I kid about people about, well, I guess you're going to have to have your, your, your pocket 25-foot rule, you're going to have to have it recalibrated to make sure that it, it conforms. <laughs> And they look at you serious. <laughs> one guy once they said, wait, wait a second, we're going to have to move all our mileposts now because they are in U.S. survey miles. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, wait a second, that's only, that's only one foot per hundred miles. I think it's probably going to be close enough. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, it's going <laughs> to, it'll be just fine. Um, I guess as we're getting close to our time to for the, this particular session. Uh, uh, what do you think is going to go forward? I mean, uh, in NGS making this change, um, what are we looking forward to, to? I mean, is there is there anything more significant uh, that we need to be thinking about beyond beyond the foot itself in any changes uh, that have to do with, with with units of measure going forward? Or is this going to pretty much uh, pacify us for the for, for now until we until the technology gets even better? Uh, well, if I understand the question right, if this 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 definition of the foot will never change. Um, Okay. There's so no, there's some there's finality no, here. Yeah. There's no. That's that's done. That's that's cooked in. No one thinks about that stuff anymore. Um, one question, a related question though, I've gotten is, well, what if the meter changes? Well, uh, so just make sure everybody has things in the sure, right order sure. here. Is the foot's based on the meter, so it's totally dependent. Whatever the meter does, the foot just has to follow along. The good news though is the meter has become extremely stable. They're down at the nanometer level in the refining of it right they just redefined the last read the last refinement was i think in 1988 mm -hmm. but it's down at nanometers and even even in the late 1800s i oh i was going to look this up before this interview and i forgot but they were already down to the the micron level with the definition so um it's very stable so there won't be any practical impact but the key point is the foot is derived from the meter by law. So whatever the meter does, the foot just has to follow along. Sure, sure. Well, I just, and I asked that question because somebody is going to ask, well, you've changed it once. What keeps you from changing it again? Uh, that's um, funny. I haven't really gotten that. Yeah. And, but yeah, uh, that, that won't. Yeah. No, well, what the, this is, like you said, this is really somewhat of, of, of a finality here that, yes, if the meter for some reason would change, but like you said, it's it's so well-defined it's yeah. it's going to be so minute, yeah. Uh, yeah. microscopic, uh, to what we're looking at. And down to the subatomic level. I mean, it's way down there. So yeah, exactly. And yeah. yeah, and we're talking. Yeah, we're talking boundary surveys, people, <laughs> not not rocket science. Right. Um, okay, so if somebody wants to know even more beyond this conversation, I mean, where where do you have all of your information stored out there that people can go out and Hit your hit your presentations, hit your web or your recorded webinars, various things. Where can you find that stuff at? Well, we always like to promote our web our website. So NGS is 
geodesy.noaa.gov. It takes me to our homepage. Um, but now it's so easy to search things. A, a great place on this topic in particular is actually hosted by the NIST website, and it's it's um theirs is www.nist.gov, but they also have there's more to get to the US Survey Foot. But if you just Google US Survey Foot, it'll come right up as a NIST website. There's a lot of information in there. There's also a link to the actual Federal Register notice itself. Okay. Um so you can go see and read that. And there's a whole lot of information in there about that. We've been wanting to add more and just haven't had time. Like we don't have really many examples and I'd like to put actual examples in there, um, time allowing. Um, so those would be great places to go. And again, going back to the NGS website, if people go there, we have a science and education menu on there. Go to that and webinars are listed there. Every webinar given has been recorded and there's two on the US survey foot. You can easily find them. They were both in 2019 in April and December. So all that information is there, and we have a presentations library. We have all kinds of stuff, all sorts of resources about this. And Tim, one thing I found, and this goes back to when I thought I was taking my life in my own hands and presenting this topic to the board of directors for uh, NSPS, who received it very well. Once they hear all the reasons behind it and they hear the history, and surveyors love history, they become very supportive of that is oh yeah that makes sense so whatever you say about surveyors one thing is they are rational people you know so once they hear the reasons most of them go along not all of course but you never can achieve that but i'd have to say this has been so far a resounding success we've gotten a lot less resistance and let me say it the other way a lot more support right in favor of this and i hope that continues to grow well i think so and you know part of it um, yes, you were walking into a, what could have been seen as, a, as, a, as an unfriendly crowd with the board of directors at NSPS, but uh, no, they, uh, you, your reputation precedes, precedes you. And I guess part of it also is uh, the surveyor comes out in you when talking about a lot of this stuff and the practicality versus uh, a geodesist that's just been strictly in uh, in the educational side or the the, the um, uh, the institutional side uh, in trying to trying to I won't say force it down the surveyor's throat. You've seen this pract in practical use, so it's you're mm -hmm. I, I've always appreciated what uh, how you've always presented it, and so yeah, I Thank think you. this has been thought thought through very well, and uh, and like you said, once surveyors hear it, a lot of times they're like, yeah, okay, well that makes sense now. When once they hear the story, you know, if you just ask them cold, they're gonna say, no way, I want to keep my U.S. survey foot, and then you say, well. If you can get them to calm down, <laughs> right, it. right, it's it's a pretty strong case. I I actually think it's let's just say it the other way. I don't want to offend anyone, but I think the case for keeping the U.S. Survey foot for keeping a dual definition of the foot is a very weak case. Um, there's really no good reason to support that. It it absolutely creates inefficiencies. And even though some individual surveyors, maybe through their careers, haven't experienced that. There's many that have, especially ones that are dual licensed in states that have different versions right. of it or near a, a border. But even in other places, I'm, I got to tell you, the stories I've heard, this comes up almost continuously. So for what it's worth. Very good. Well, we will put the links to all of that material and uh, all, all those okay, resources good. out 
up with this podcast and uh, we'll blast it through the socials as well. Um, definitely appreciate your time on, uh, especially with this, this topic. I mean, this has been uh, not necessarily polarizing, but it's, it's, it's gotten people's attention, the surveyor's attention and uh, wondering, you know, is this just another government government bureaucracy thing that, oh, we got to go messing with something that really doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. It really does matter a lot. So um, I appreciate you taking the time to be on with us and uh, we'll definitely follow up as things evolve and move along and we'll, uh, we'll catch up on more on this. So uh, thank you for, for being here, Michael. Thank you, Tim. I enjoyed it. You've been listening to Future Focus with Dr. Michael Dennis here on the Surveyor Says Podcast. Be sure and download the second part of this talk with him discussing the upcoming state plane coordinate system changes for 2022. As NGS progresses with coordinating system changes with the states, Michael has promised to come back and provide updates so our profession can stay on top of these changes. For additional information, please visit the NGS website at geodesy.noaa.gov. In the coming weeks, we have another future focus episode with Ana Rios, a Texas surveyor who has been making a mark for herself with not just her involvement with the NSPS Young Surveyors, but with organizing the Women's Survey Summit last year in Austin and again this August in Virginia. We will talk about how she found surveying and what the profession has done for her. Another point of order is in the queue with John Warren and Pat Beeler, both former NSPS presidents and politically active members, as well as another future focus with Jim Cohn. NSPS director from Washington, who has spent a considerable amount of his career giving back to young surveyors as a teacher and mentor. If you have any questions, please send them to info at nsps.us.com and put Surveyor Says in the subject line. And remember, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. And watch our website, nsps.us.com, for information on future episodes. And remember, it's a great day to be a surveyor.